What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I got Chris Thorndike back on the show of uh, Live Athletic Gym in Gainesville and Factory Forge. So welcome back, Chris. Thank you. Great to be back. This is what, fourth time? Third time? Something like that? Third or fourth, yeah. Chris and I were just looking back. I mean, we grew up together, grew up together in Jupiter. He's now in Gainesville area. And uh, normally we keep in touch. It's like, man, we haven't talked since November, um, just based on our text messages. So um, we're going to catch up a little bit. We're going to talk about vanity metrics in the gym. And uh, Chris, I think he talked about it last time he was on the show, really transformed his gym through the pandemic. He reminded me that the day that he sent his uh, we're shutting down due to the pandemic email was the day that his daughter was born. So for him, it was a big chance to look inward, think about how he wanted to restructure his business. And he's done a lot of changes to his business. And now he's doubled down and factory forged. His consulting business is teaching gyms how to do exactly that. He's, he's really narrowed his focus both with his, with his own gym and how he helps other gyms build their businesses. So um, a lot of what comes to the table with that is vanity metrics of the things that us micro gyms have chased for years that Chris now sees as a distraction or counterproductive. Um, So that's where we'll start the conversation and then we'll just kind of go from there and and see what comes up. So um, Chris, where do you want to kick it off? Is there one that jumps out to you, a metric that jumps out to you or stuff you want to share with your own gym, you can kind of go any, anywhere with it. Yeah. So I, I think the one that speaks to me most, just even you intro me with my story of, you know, this, this life changing moment um, with the pandemic and my daughter and uh, it's ACV. And I think this, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with this average client value, you essentially take all your revenue and divide it by your membership uh, or number of membership, and it spits out this average client value. And for me, you know, that was kind of the number I focused a lot on, and it made me proud. You know, at at one point, <laughs> having uh, a two hundred dollar, you know, ACV was impressive to me at that time. Um, and what that tells uh, about my growth is I had uh, nearly three times the size of the facility I did. Uh, I had at one point five programs running, personal training, a non-barbell program, kids fitness, uh, all these different, uh, you know, nutrition, list goes on. And when you look at that, you know, and you add up all that revenue and divide it by the same number of, you know, members, it didn't reveal how much work that I was putting in. It didn't even reveal the costs, you know, from the time and the energy to keep it all running. And I kind of got lost chasing this, this number. And that was kind of the first vanity wake up call of like, why am I spending so much time trying to grow this thing? And without consideration of the, the effort, the time, uh, the profit. So that was a big moment for me. And now when I yeah. see that, um, as someone who at that moment, uh, I was in the category, I guess, you know, you mentioned Forge in, in our focus. I was like the hyperinflated, bloated gym that had um, 
all the programs, the three full-time staff on, on top of the owner. And we got stuck chasing some things that were passion projects that were, you know, things we could do, but didn't need to do. Um, and I needed to scale, uh, my business. I didn't need to grow it. And I had grown into a, uh, this, you know, really difficult thing to run. And that was hard to generate a return for, you know, my lifestyle and my income. So I actually had to consolidate, you know, I was too, um, you know, if we're thinking like in terms of like budgeting terms, I, I was spending more than I was getting back and uh, I was in that position. So scaling down in a, in a sense in terms of how many things that I was chasing and focusing and reconnecting with my roots, which was, and I told you this before, it's like this is where many of us all started as people that focus on starting a, a small group training gym. Like that's our core. And I think I lost my way and it took a pandemic and it took a kid, you know, being born to be like, holy crap, I need to recenter myself. And ever since that moment, yeah, we've been cutting out programs and we had uh, gone from 5,000 square feet to 2,000 square feet um, and really centered like at the root of why I started my business and got back to that place. And that. That's where I stand today in saying, hey, I'm in 2,000 square feet. Um, we work with uh, 15 people on our floor and only offer uh, uh, one program, two memberships. You know, you uh, get started with us at um, a rate of 88 bucks a week for 12 weeks, and then you go into a program where we uh, keep you on track year-round. Uh, at 63 bucks a week. So if you're doing the math, that's, yeah, like over $250 a month to work with someone on a year-round basis. And uh, it's important that you recognize that the second rate of starting with us for 12 weeks um, is different, and then that's $100 more per month about. So it was that moment of realizing, yeah. You gave us a lot to dive into. Um, I just first want to ask, like, how much of, the decision to say kind of like, screw it, I'm going to make these changes was like more on the emotional lifestyle side of things, uh, like quality of life side of things. Uh, good, great question. I, I think for me at that time, it was uh, bandwidth, emotion, wanting to be a great dad who was present and, and realizing that, you know, we were making – I, I would say good money. You know, you're operating at thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a month and you have money coming in. Like there's room in the payroll, but it just took a lot of energy and effort. And, you know, when I hit that moment, I think it was emotional bandwidth. Um, it was time and fatigue and how much I had to take a look back. And I mean, the, the number that no one talks about is ROI. I had to look at it ROI from more than just income and, and really say, let's assess the energy, the effort that it's taking to do these things. And then what am I actually getting back as I, as I now recognize? And for a lot of you guys out there, you know, Andrew, you have kids. Like when that happens and you're running your business, this now morphs into a whole different business because you don't have the same amount of time 
to give if you want to be present, you know, at dinners and bedtimes and book times and like create space for you to, you know, be a dad. And, and that's what I was facing. So, um, I think it was way more than money for me. Um, but money still being an important part, of course. Yeah. So I want to dive into ACV because I think, I think people, I think we can make this even more clear for people. Um, you know, I think it's pretty standard in the industry, like 200 is kind of a benchmark that most people want to get to of like $200 average client value per month. So your average client's paying at least $200 a month. And, and now you show us numbers that your clients are paying a lot more than that, but it's not that they're just paying more than they currently, than they were before. It's that you're operating so much less for that same amount of money or that more amount of money. And you're not trying to be their nutrition coach. You're not trying to be personal trainer to them. And where I see that a lot of gyms go wrong to them, you know, that can add if that person's buying a bag of protein, you know, once every two months, um, that could be great, but you might only have a 20% profit margin on that. And then it, then you have these, you know, credit card fees and the, the, maybe you have to hire a front desk person to now run that and run the payments through. And there can be a lot of complexity that comes from simply taking that person from a 160 per month to 200 a month, which sounds great on paper, right? Or they don't have the opportunity for scale. Nailed it. So <laughs> the, the key in how you close that is it's, it's scale, right? Like we're all as business owners, I think, chasing um, the growth of I want to grow in terms of not being in the same place as I was last year as a business owner, but we have to be realistic on what we're actually chasing in the game of business. And I think that scale is how do we actually um, net uh, a better situation, whether that's time or income um, and even effort I would put in that. And that's the actual goal. So we need to start talking about scale and ROI as an industry and not get lost in metrics that yes, they're great to understand, but they're even better if they can help you make a decision. And I think that's where I would love to see, you know, as we go through this conversation and you guys listening, it's like understanding your ACV isn't enough. Understanding that it's not impacting um, your ability to make more money or impacting cutting down less work so you can be at home more. If you can't derive that decision, then what's, what's the value to you? It's just a number. Yeah. So walk us through a little bit on the personal training side, because I think, you know, a lot of gym owners can relate to like retail being a distraction, um, a kid's program potentially being a distraction. But I think a lot of them still see personal training as like, especially if they charge a, a, an appropriate rate, like, why not? Why not offer this service? Why not have this? Um, what are some of the things that you say to a gym owner who basically wants to run their gym the way you think they, they should run it, but they're like, but I still want to have personal training because we could do that too. Yeah, you could. And, <laughs> and it comes down to, um, do you need to, do you want to? I think when we really get down to like, what do you want? I mean, that's the beauty of all being gym owners and choosing our style of training. You know, my message is that, you know, to you is I had to get back to my roots. I chose group training because 
it offered a lifestyle that personal training couldn't. You know, I, I could scale my income and I could connect and uh, bring people together. You know, I still to this day, you know, if you guys didn't know this, Andrew and I were on a soccer team for years as kids. And I still think about those times like bonding and hanging out with people, having a coach lead us. And honestly, that's what drove me into group training. And that's what I wanted all along. And I think I lost my way with understanding that I was chasing growth and not centering myself on what I wanted. And in the market too, personal trainers, when you guys fill up your schedule, you seek out small group naturally. It's like you're looking to replace that PT money is what I call it. Um, But you don't want to lose and jeopardize that, but you're actually seeking the next level of, say, personal training, which would be how do I get my time back? How do I get um, out of so many working hours on the floor. So you're either ascending, I think, towards small group for the next level or two, uh, you know, basically cutting and consolidating because I was, you know, a big, fat, ACV-driven model. And it all meets in the middle, I think, in in the middle is small group training. So um, it's not that personal training isn't of value if that's your goal is to work with people individually. I mean, you're going to make a great income and you're going to be able to impact one person at a time. And, you know, for me, this is almost, Andrew, like more of a personality characteristic of do you love to work with people in a group and get a, a, a drive and, you know, energize through that? Or do you want to work with personal training? Um, but when you start choosing that path and you start making real decisions about how, you know, how big a facility you rent or how many people you have in a team, that starts really impacting the lifestyle and the income as the owner who has to take on the risk of organizing that and running that year round. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even something as simple as like, I think about a sales conversation, that initial consult, when personal training's in the mix, you know, you really, you have to understand that person on a very specific thing that you're looking for. And it's easy for you to recognize it in a sales consult. Whereas for someone like us, we're having to uh, learn a lot about the client to distinguish which path is going to be best for them. Now for you guys, you're still doing that because there's clients that you're going to take on. You're, you're not going to take on. You're going to say, no, you're not a fit for our program, but it's a pretty easy yes or no, I would imagine for you because it's only, it's either this or no, you're not a fit for us. Yeah, this is an interesting question and and kind of bridge the gap back to personal training where this question started. But I I think if if you're Pashmout group, you, you have to look at this is how we do things. This is our style. This is the thing that we believe is most valuable for our clients. Anything else or outside of that is less than. Even if it is priced higher, okay? And here's what I mean by that, is we are actively looking for people that want to train in a group. They like being around people, they love being social, they want that feedback, they're energized by it. And we can deliver the outcome uh, through that, okay? So putting personal training in front of that as like a gateway, like you mentioned PT first. In my eyes, you're devaluating or devaluing group and changing the style of training to individual when that's not even really how you uh, presented the path for them um, and what they were seeking out and looking for. 
So you have to consider those things. So maybe it's not the uh, personal training is the solution. It's the onboarding is the problem in saying, I need a different onboarding model. Or to your point on personal training, I need to qualify my clients better so that my clients don't need personal training. Or if I qualify people at the lead level and the prospect level, I could actually refer to someone else who would be a better fit for personal training, then allow them um, onto the floor before actually working with them or collecting payment. When you think about some of the clients that you training, is it, you know, clients that are maybe on the older side, on the, the extreme younger side that again may require more specialized training? Is it someone who just isn't excited about being a part of a group? Like what are the ones that jump out to you as the most consistent people that you're turning away? Yeah, there, there's levels to this too. So uh, with Factory Forge, we, we have a five system model. So the first system is marketing, right? Getting just the person to speak up. So once someone submits contact information, I would say this is the first level that you're speaking to of saying, okay, who's in front of me? Um, like what's their goal? What's their experience with fitness? And really what are they challenged with? Why haven't they already reached that goal? especially if they've been trying different fitness things. So at that level, we basically understand this kind of profile of what they've been through and why they're struggling. Mm -hmm. So you're going to feel out a couple areas on the experience side rather quick. You know, on one end, you might see that if they don't have any experience, they're going to come in probably naturally deconditioned or inexperienced. Or if they share a goal of losing 100 pounds, you're going to start to notice, well, no, they haven't been working out much, and that learning curve of conditioning or skill set may not also fit in a group. So you're going to learn some of that. at. We do this at a texting level. I think everyone texts, and you guys should be texting if, if you are not, for qualifying people. Um, but that's where the first level of qualifying uh, people to move to the next step in our <laughs> process and saying, I can help a lot of people just get on the right track towards finding what their solution is. It just may not be group. So that's the, the first thing of saying, yeah, if there are some things that speak to me in their answers and they don't align with what my ideal group clients say to me at this level, well, then it's, it's a lot less um, fear or insecurity of me qualifying them out of my program at this level than if I had already taken them through to the sale or I already met with them and gave them an hour of my time when then they tell me that and all of a sudden – and I'm really disappointed. I spent an hour with this person and I could have spent it somewhere else, maybe with my, you know, family. So that's why I take the time there. The, the second level is say you meet with someone at a uh, enrollment appointment and they've gone through and they've said all this, the right things. There's alignment at the qualifying level. Um, and then you, you enroll them and, and naturally you haven't seen them move. All you've really done is understand that they're motivated, they're committed, and uh, I shouldn't even say they're committed. They're, they're hopeful that they'll fall through the steps, and financially, um, they're ready to move forward. Okay, So then, to me, if you believe in group, you should have a, in, in our opinion, this is a single-class group onboarding. And um, what that allows me to do is have 
a, a small group of people come in. I can see them move. I can assess where their fitness level is. Um, and it gives me the power of group scale, but also the understanding of using my skills and tools of someone perfectly capable of training 15 people in a class to come in and qualify people and say, I'm going to get a good understanding of where they're starting and physically are they ready to move to the next step of entering, you know, small group. So that would be the second level of saying there has to be the mindset and the readiness, and then it has to match the physical. And then when you have those two, you're not going to feel insecure about adding people to the group floor. You're not going to feel like you're putting grenades in front of your inexperienced or less experienced coaches, and you're definitely not going to get a lot of pushback in your coaches' meetings from your coaches saying, you know, this person's a train wreck or this person needs so much attention. And that's where you start to see, in my opinion, the disconnect when you don't have a good system uh, for qualifying and you don't have a good system for getting uh, small group training clients on the floor quickly is um, close to it. How do you how do you communicate that to them? Is that done with your your price raises that you've made recently and price changes or are you trying to regularly communicate that to remind your current clients of, of when you feel this is no longer serving you? Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is the, the more you believe it, the more you define the line, the more it be, can become like your ethos or, or like a part of who you are. And I think that's where you'll look, you know, over the last 10, 15 years where you've seen these hard splits in gyms or, these, uh, you know, segmentations of the community, it's because they've lost, in my opinion, a sense of um, who we are and what we do here. And when you think of tribes, tribes are typically built around like 100 to 200 people. And that's where you have these tightest tight knit, you know, uh, vision or, or views on this is how we think. Um, this is how we operate. This is who we are. And that identity is strong. And then as you get bigger, it dilutes that because everyone has different, you know, little splinters of it off. And I think that's um, hard to realize that that actually comes from you as the owner. Because maybe you had a coach that said, man, I'd really love to step up and make this a career and grow personal training department. Or I'd like to take our program to the next level and work with, more committed athletes or more skill-based athletes. And that was me. I did those things. And when you really look at it from an owner seat, um, you have to constantly check in with yourself and say, is this who I am at the core? Do I want to grow in this direction? Do I want to manage this many moving parts? Do I want to manage these many people um, on my team? So, yeah, that, that is a hard line to define, and I think it's once it's defined in you, then I think that conversation becomes easier with your staff and also how you recruit staff, how you uh, build that into your marketing, build that into your conversations with your prospects. So that side actually is easier of new clients coming in, setting kind of the pace. It's the same way people feel about setting new prices, but it's the existing members right, are the one that, how do I get them back on a new bus that I'm driving and, you know, not create this feeling like I'm going to lose all these friends or lose this cash flow if I do define it further. 
So I get that being tough, but at the end of the day, yeah, like you got to weigh in what's the ROI. And, and like I said, it's not always cash that's going to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think at that point when you have that, it's, it's about spotting it in the behaviors. You know, don't wait till the clicks form. Don't wait till the person says, um, yeah, uh, I got to, I got to try some other options out there. Uh, can you cancel my membership? You know, right? Like those, those emails to you are a reaction of months or maybe even years. How do you, the, the question I ask is how do we be proactive so that we don't ever get to that email? We don't ever have that. And, and that's really hard because that may mean you're the one saying, I think it's time. You're ready for another level. I'm like, thanks coach. Appreciate your belief in me, and that's not with me. <laughs> and that's a really hard conversation, um, but it's the right move, in my opinion, than chasing an LTV number that's going to stretch someone out for how much money they spend with you. And that's that can be misleading. Yeah, that's um... – Man, that's powerful. It's tough to do that, but it's, uh, I, I definitely can see the vision and what you've implemented there. Um, and it's cool. I can see how you helped the right person in a really big way because you're not trying to be, you know, more than you should be. Um, how does this affect staffing and coaches? Like, can you create careers for coaches under this model or is this more of an owner? an owner operator model where you just have some part-time help. What's a career? I think we have to start there and define it. You know, my mom, hard, hard working woman, two jobs, most of her life, 40 hours at one job. And then she'd clock into the next job and do another 20 to 30. That was her career. And some would define that part-time job as not a real job or not a career, but that, that's the first thing I think if we're, we're looking at this objectively. I think the new world we live in, Andrew, you, you and me included, we have multiple jobs, multiple interests, multiple passions. And we want, we want to express that. And if you can make extra money doing that on top of your primary, I think a lot of people are already proving they're doing that. So what I'm saying is don't deny that person because you have an idea that someone has to be 40 hours clock in, clock out, you know, and that's a job or a career. Uh, what I'm saying, the times are changing, and we have to be realistic <laughs> on what it takes to run a business profitably and efficiently. And when you are the owner-operator, so much of that revolves around your energy and your belief system on what a career is. So for me, after looking at it, I saw – that there was this passion and this interest and this consistency out of a part-time person. And I was like, why is that there? Like, well, it started with typically they're a client of mine seeing um, a, an amazing transformation and something that they then turned into, I want to give back or I want to share what I've learned. And I think I, I think I could help people in the same way that I was helped. And uh, they have no interest in leaving their careers, you know, and, and I'm talking about guys like doctors, uh, accountants, medical, you know, uh, teachers, like they are not leaving those careers, but they are like, I need 
an outlet beyond family and beyond my day-to-day. And I've found that through fitness, and I want to give and feel what I felt for others. And then, boom, what do you have? You have someone, in my opinion, who's a part-time, call it a career coach, but they're doing it on a part-time schedule. And how is that any different from the coach that's considered full-time and getting full-time? So my point is it comes down to outcome. You know, if we really look at it and you look at the coach on the floor, you don't know if they're full-time or part-time or what their paycheck is. You know the experience they're providing, and you know um, whether you left feeling like, man, this was a great class, and I, I feel pushed, I feel challenged, I feel like I, I grew. What? So I don't know. I don't want to throw it into that category of, of that, but I, what I am saying is part-time is undervalued, but it is my go-to for how, yes, a, uh, a small group training program can if, be highly profitable. Now, are you, are you actively pushing away a full-timer in your particular model, or do you see it? I mean, I think I, I agree with what you said about full-timer somewhere else to another gym and say, hey, this is not the fit for you, or would the right person make you want to hire a full-timer at your gym? When you say push them away, what do you mean? So like, because uh, there's two ways to look at it. Either one. So the same the same way you would push away a client who have to be able to make a certain amount of income. It's not a crazy number. It's, you know, 45,000, 50,000 a year, something like they're saying, but I, you know, this is what I want to do fully. And can I do this with you? Yeah. Um, great question. I, I think you can ascend people up to a certain level before it becomes no longer serving for you. Um, as the business. So maybe that looks like someone going from four hours a week coaching with you to 15 or 20. Um, you're get, there's inherent risks of doing that. Like someone has, you know, 50% of your class schedule and they get a new job offer out of state, you're, you know, to replace that person. So that comes with risk. Um, there's, I think, ascension up to possibly administrative tasks that are associated with running gyms that could be learned. Um, and then you've got new opportunities, say things that traditionally are paid based on percentage because it's not, it's outside that gym's core um, offer, mm. right? Like, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up like this is like often if you send, send someone up with a salary, you're often taking away from your own in, uh, you know, income because that's your job as owner operator or you're eating into your profit margins. And if and I've met plenty of gym owners have done that, Andrew, and, and they haven't seen the ROI. They haven't felt that in the, the revenue bump enough to get back to a similar profit margin. So you're in kind of a, this dichotomy of like, okay, do I start a new program and they're the head and what do they bring to the table? Um, or possibly, yeah, they're, they're on this path of, you give them what you have available. That's the job for hire. That's the job opportunity that is available. And that may be it. I mean, someone like, um, you know, a, a gym that works only on classes, maybe they rent out the space to this person and they can grow outside of your hours in if they want to do personal training or have another group. It just gets complicated when you do that because you have your brand on the wall. You have your name that you've built. So those are the things that I've always collided with why I haven't gone down those paths to try and create this career for someone. So my message is 
the average gym owner in this market is not making $10,000 in income per month. So you have no business starting someone else's career and building them up if you're not making that minimum. And that's my message here is like, you have to focus on yourself. And in a small group training business, we have to say that professional income and a lifestyle that you can live for a long term, um, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is how I you know, take care of my family. If that is not taken care of and you're chasing someone else's building block of building them up through your business, it concerns me. So it, it's not a topic of discussion um, if those things aren't met. And then I really want to understand how it's going to scale, how it's going to be able to impact. And if it collides with, like I said, the, the expansion that I did, um, you have to question whether it's a job offer or opportunity that you actually have. It's good. Who have you found to be the best part-time? What type of careers, what type of people is it? Um, they have steady jobs. They've probably been in their jobs for five plus years. They have families. They own homes in your local area. Um, they're happy. They're, they, they start to look inward on how they can impact their local community. And even like a niche of that inside like your city is, is the gym, the, the community. So those are things that I think, I don't know if this is, you know, something so obvious, but when you focus on that type of person um, who own a home, it's not so easy just to sell the home and leave. It's, you know, who have long-term careers, it's not so easy to feel all of a sudden, you know, financially unstable and you have to go apply for all these different jobs and that's going to require a bunch of time and energy and effort you didn't foresee prior to taking the part-time coaching job. Um, so we have to look at life cycles. Where are people at in their life and could that um, really sync up with where you're at in your business to create a stable, consistent team that's willing to come together on a regular basis to practice. And that's who I look for is I want someone that I can build years with and take my experience and pass through my coach's development. But also I want to work with them. Like, you know, you know, you get this better than anybody is like when you come together at a coach's meeting and that is a set meeting, say every month or every you know week, whatever the period is, you're actively solving problems that you're seeing on the floor and then your team is growing together. And it's through that practice that I actually love doing what we do and, and that's how we're getting better and that's how we're progressing after 15 years is we had a very inherent model for we must show up and practice together if we're going to get better as a team. And if I can't have this person, regardless of full-time or part-time, who has these characteristics, it's going to be really hard to keep a team, let alone uh, keep someone in the position long enough to grow and learn to the level that I'm trying to push uh, rates or client experience or you know, even the longevity of the client. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to circle for now. Do you guys actually charge weekly or is that just how you position it to the, the person? Uh, we charge weekly. You do charge weekly. Okay. So one of the, the vanity metrics that I had was like paid in full memberships and cash collected up front. You know, they spent $10,000 to work with us. We got them $50,000 in cash collected. And that sounds amazing, but if that is paid in full memberships at a discount or long-term that 
recurring revenue that's so important to our businesses and they might not have had a big profit margin to begin with. So they might've just eliminated that profit margin. So yes, they get this like bird in the hand, which is nice to get that guaranteed money that as a vanity metric. Yeah. hundred percent vanity. And I I think the vanity part of it is it, it looks good in a post or an email. Uh, to the uninformed gym owner or, or the, the, the gym owner, you know, really that maybe you're struggling, maybe that you don't have that income I was talking about coming in. Um, you don't have a steady paycheck. And that appears like a cash, uh, you know, savior, we'll call it. And that's just borrowed time, to your point, right? It, it, it may be a great uh, month and it looks like a massive PR in sales, and it is. But then over the year, you know, how does that help? You know, how does that cover overhead plus, you know, keep a steady sense of like financial security is what, you know, I'm really passionate about is saying if we can focus more on the, you know, financial stability of the business providing for your family, having a steady income similar to the same thing I told you about a part-time coach, what they, you know, the characteristics that they want and and strive for, we want the same thing. So if the business has to operate on this like yo-yo of up and down um, movement, you're going to be so stressed and you're going to put so much effort into doing that just to peak it that it becomes inconsistent year round. And I think you're going to get burned out. And that's what I've seen time and time again, where you can push really hard like a sprint or in, in the case that, you know, a lot of what these cash rushes are like challenges, it's a big promotion, it's got a build up, and then it hits. But can you continue to do that year round and, and not impact not just your personal livelihood, but how many people you put on the floor, you know, how many people actually have to train together on a regular basis to consistently keep people long term. So I think this is such a important topic that you touched on, not just from a cash vanity standpoint of saying, hey, I just rung up a lot of people and maybe that was stretching the training all the way through the year um, or through a short period of time. But EFT or recurring uh, membership is really just the, the strength, in my opinion, of the, the ROI for the member. Like, are they able to commit to your program because they understand that it, that's how long it takes to get to the outcome? Or do you have to discount yourself and do some kind of cash grab because financially you need it, but more importantly what that tells you underneath is that you don't have a good uh, sense of how to get a client and keep them year-round, or two, you're not able to repeat those steps and continue to do that so that they stay. And I think that's a, a big red flag of saying if you need to use a play like that, you're probably struggling with retention. You're probably struggling with um, systematic uh, uh, business processes to say, hey, I know how to get someone into the gym on a recurring basis. And, Andrew, what I've found is the secret number for small group training is seven. You need seven enrollments a month roughly to grow. Why do I say that? Because on average – if you only train 15 people on the floor, okay, and you have a, a class load of, say, 27, it's about 100 members that you need to plan around working with. So when you have a community or a tribe like that, you're really going to lose two to three people a month. So you're able to net um, uh, 
your membership off only finding a few people. But my, uh, you know, uh, understanding of that and, and delivery of that has to recognize that you're in it for the long haul. But if you've got in over your head, meaning you've got staff payroll, meaning you've got, um, you know, uh, a large facility with high rent, um, and all of a sudden you need all these things, um, you're going to, you're going to chase cash. You're not going to chase long-term clients. Um, eventually it's going to come back to, to bite you. Now with, with the weekly pricing that you guys do, you do it for the consistency of the budgeting and that point of the members not seeing the clients, not seeing a $250 a month thing. They're just seeing, okay, it's 80 bucks at a time. Um, there's a couple of reasons. One, um, it's helpful for clients to um, build them that way based on pay period. Um, so it, it's beneficial for our clients that way. Um, it's beneficial for the business to operate that way because you get your money more regularly um, and spread out across the whole year. Ends up getting um, the full training um, of months don't always end in uh, 31 days, right? Yeah. Like some months, so you're, there's, yeah, you're tr- 12, 12 months should, should equate to 48 weeks, but you're actually getting an extra four weeks of payments. Basically. Right. If you look at the grand scheme of it, 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 it's, you're not actually collecting for the full, um, time period that you're training this person. So th- those are some of the reasons why I like that, um, model and, um, I don't know that it's a I, – I've seen a significant difference at the point of sale of whether you state weekly or monthly. Um, and if, if you're concerned about that, that's not um, really the root of it. That would be you know how you're presenting your value, the relationship that you have with the prospect. So, yeah. So I want to wrap up here. I want to ask one more question, which is um, – you know, what you've done is you've, you've said a no to a lot of things in your business. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us struggle to say, and uh, I heard this once where actually by saying yes to something, you're actually saying no to everything else. So most people think by being accommodating and say, you reserve the right to say yes to multiple other things. And you, you reserve that option still. Um, so you've mentioned like family as a big one as by saying no to many things in your business, you've been able to say yes to, to family, uh, spouse, stuff like that. But like, can you, are there other things that come to mind that you're able to say yes to in your life, whether that be hobbies, whether that be other parts of the business that didn't get your attention before that now can get your attention or what, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is when you really build a lean and simple uh, business around your core, it starts opening up time. You know, there there's uh, gyms in, that we've worked with that came from PT models that all of a sudden need two hours to onboard eight people a week. They don't need uh, 15 hours of personal training. And then all of a sudden, you're like, what do I do with this time? Who, you know, where do I place this? And, and the thought, you know, someone asked me this last week, I go, what if you got a hobby? And they're like, me? Like hobby? And it, it, and they didn't understand that concept. So, yeah, I think one of the benefits of, of scale 
and, and looking at it this way is, yeah, you're going to be able to reinvest in yourself. And, and maybe that is personal growth, like reading books, meditating, uh, sport, um, going out and using your fitness, you know. Um, so th those are some good ways, I think. And then internally inside the business, um, what it does is for, and did for me was when I simplified and really went all in on being a master is how I look at it at small group training. There's very few people that can match 15 years in the business and look at it through the lens of a microscope. And that's what I want to do. I want to be a master at this uh, inside and out in, on the business all the way to the training. And now we're looking at our service and saying, how do we provide more? I want to provide more value, more, more, more. And it's not traditional more. It's more that scales, more that makes them feel different. And those are the things that we get to think about in terms of what, what's under this umbrella of a membership. And we have now this new lens of saying, if we're going to give more, it's, it's worth it because it scales to every member, not just one member. If we're going to give more, it's because we can consistently do it every single week. And if we do that, it's going to have such an impact on this person that they're going to get better results, they're going to stay longer, or they're going to walk away feeling like, wow, like this is my place. So those are the things that I, I get excited about when we can just go 100% um, focused um, you don't have to worry about all the complexities that come with starting all these other businesses within your business. And it gets me excited to, to every week wake up and work on the thing that I love, which is small group training, work on keeping my clients, uh, list of clients happy and more engaged and fulfilled. And I don't have to worry about all the complexity of a bigger or more um, membership list. Because you know this, as you grow in membership size, it does get harder. Your churn does go up. And you start to realize it is a different um, operating model. And that's why I've segmented this, Andrew, from you have small group training and large group training, and they're mm -hmm. radically different. So the business models are different, the uh, everything. So I would say, yeah, you get to focus and be a master and practice the mastery. You're an expert at that stage, not a generalist. And that's what I love. Awesome. Well, I have about 30 more questions, but I'm going to save it for another episode. Uh, I'm sure we'll get you back here at some point. Um, this has been awesome, Chris. Where can people find you if they want to build their gyms in this way and they want to talk to you about what that would look like? Yeah, the, the first step is to uh, check out our uh, Facebook group for small group gym owners, the Art of Profitable Gym. Um, come learn, engage, um, just start being around people that are passionate about small group training and, and who have been in your shoes or are in your shoes. Like that's your home and community. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, then, you know, if you're serious about getting some help and coaching, go to factoryforge.com. Uh, on that, I have my momentum program, which is a 12 week or 90 day program for, uh, small group owners that want to, you know, build, uh, simple, lean and profitable gyms. And I walk you through how we do that. So, uh, those are two ways to, to get in touch with me. And then if uh, you know, you're interested in moving forward, we'll hop on a personal call and, and we'll really get to know each other and see you know, if it's a good fit. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Great catching up. Thank you. Thank you.